Good morning, good morning. How are you guys? Woo-hoo. Okay, awesome. We're going to read the word. Um, here's the word of the Lord from Romans 14, 1 through 12. Welcome anyone who is weak in faith, but don't argue about disputed matters. One person believes he may eat anything, while one who is weak eats only vegetables. One who eats must not look down on one who does not eat. And one who does not eat must not judge one who does, because God has accepted him. Who are you to judge another's household servant? Before his own Lord, he stands or falls, and he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. One person judges one day to be more important than another day. Someone else judges every day to be the same. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Whoever observes the day, observe it for the honor of the Lord. Whoever eats, eats for the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. And whoever does not eat, it is for the Lord that he does not eat it. And he gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for himself, and no one dies for himself. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and returned to life for this, that he might be Lord over both the dead and living. But you, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue will give praise to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. May God bless the reading of his word. All right. So we are in Romans 14. We're, we're uh, kicking back off in our uh, Romans. We've, been, we've gone from 1 to 13. We're going to finish it out from 14 to 16 in this next uh, about two months or so. Um, so we, it's our general practice uh, to go through uh, the scriptures to preach verse by verse because it's God's word. We want to honor the Lord like that. So, yeah, we'll be in Romans 14 through 16. And uh, then something else is going to happen. So, um, you know, as I thought about this verse, I feel like in the culture, there's a lot of talk about the church's track record of being judgmental. Now, the, the reality is oftentimes that is true. Yeah. Oftentimes the church does kind of exhibit some uh, judgmental, uh, holier than thou um, attitudes. And a lot of times we're, we're very harsh with fellow Christians and brothers and sisters in the church. Uh, But the Lord calls us to a a different ethos. He calls us to a different attitude, particularly regarding those with whom we may have disagreements. The scripture tells us to welcome Christians of different opinions because God is the judge of us all. Uh, Really, this means that we must own our relationship with the Lord as primary. It's very easy to look at another and have lots of judgments, but this text calls us to be introspective and really acknowledge why we do what we do and if it honors the Lord. So let's ask the Lord for help. Father, would you help us as we look into your word? It is, uh, in 2 Timothy, it says that it is God-breathed. Lord, you breathe out the scriptures And so they are worthy of our attention. Lord, I pray that by the Spirit, you would help us to understand. 
and that also you would help us to obey what's written in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the first thing we see in verse 1 through 3 is that we need to show grace to Christians who differ from us. Verse 1 says, welcome anyone who is weak in the faith, but don't argue about disputed matters. One person believes he may eat anything, while one who is weak eats only vegetables. One who eats must not look down on the one who does not eat, and one who does not eat must not judge one who does, because God has accepted him. Now listen, we have this saying in our church, and this context is... Context is king. Context is king. So some of y'all are like, is, are they vegans? What's going on? So, like, why are they getting mad about eating meats and stuff? So let, let's, just, let's, let's, let's slow down. What, what is going on in the text? This text is really about this disagreement between the Christians of that day about what do you do with meat sacrificed to idols? Now, in that day and time, the majority of the meat at the market had been sacrificed to a pagan god. That was what was going on. And so some Christians, they didn't want to buy the meat from the market because they're like, well, it's been sacrificed to other gods. I don't want to participate in that. I worship Jesus. I don't worship this other god. While other Christians, they, 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 they weren't so concerned because they're like, well, I didn't participate in the sacrifice. I wasn't there and I want some meat. And I prayed over it and the Lord blessed it. And they were having some really intense uh, discussions about this. And the Christians who did not eat the meat thought the others weren't serious enough. They're like, oh, you, you, don't, you ain't even a real Christian. You don't even, you don't even care that much. You, you're loose with your convictions. Now, the Christians who did eat thought the others didn't understand their freedom in Christ. They're like, y'all, you just being legalistic. I know we have some arguments about that today, right? The reality is that Christians will disagree about various things. But listen, how we disagree matters greatly. It is inevitable that in a room full of people with different life experiences, you're going to disagree about a variety of things, but it matters the spirit in which we disagree. A lot of like we, we live in an age of disagreement. I don't know if you know this or not. There's a lot of people disagreeing about a lot of different things. And I, I've just had this question that I ponder when I'm viewing how people disagree. And the question I ask is, does it display the fruit of the Spirit? Does how they, dis, not the fact that they disagree, because it's, it's, you're going to disagree about stuff, but the way in which they disagree, the way in which I disagree, does it display the fruit of the Spirit? Does it display love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Because if it doesn't display that, even if I'm right, I'm not reflecting the character of Christ. Now, what's beautiful is that this text says that God accepts us in Christ despite our many misunderstandings. So when we think about our thoughts and our actions, I don't care how, uh, how much you like to dispute. Even if whatever standards you have in your own mind, you don't always meet it, do you? Whatever standards of thoughts, whatever standards of actions, I don't care if you got the highest or the lowest, you don't always meet them. You fall below what you think is right. But the good news of the gospel is that God accepts us, not because of our thoughts and actions, but because of the thoughts and actions of Christ Jesus. 
because his thoughts were pure and always right. And his actions always glorified God. And he died in our place. So we are accepted not because we have the perfect answer on every single issue and not because we always do what is uh, definitely right. We are accepted because Christ lived and died in our place. Now, listen, this means we can have joy in the middle of struggling through complexities. I don't know about you. Are you ever confused about various things in life? Maybe you have decisions. You're like, I don't know which way to go. Uh, They're talking about that. He said that and she said that. And I don't really know which one's right. And I'm kind of struggling about. Or have you ever been studying scripture? You're like, I don't even know what that one means. That happens every week when I have to study the sermon. You know what I mean? Like, like, like we, you, we have these times in our life when we come and we're like, we don't know which, which fork in, in the road to take. I, I, don't, I don't have the perfect understanding of this or that. But there is some good news because we can rejoice in the middle of confusing times because our perfect understanding is not what makes us right. Our perfect understanding of this issue or that issue is not what God says, oh, well, that's why I accept you. No, the reason that we are accepted is because of Christ and his perfect understanding and his perfect obedience. So that means that I'm not saying it doesn't matter what you believe, but you can struggle with some joy knowing that as you're trying to figure out what it is you believe and how you should act in this very situation, you can have some peace knowing that even as I'm struggling, I'm accepted because of what Christ has done. Now, the question we have to, to, to really ask ourselves when we're looking at this text is, how we discern, how do we discern between primary and secondary doctrines and practices? Because if, if you paid attention in the scriptures, Jesus doesn't always say do what you want. There's sometimes that now you got to do this. <laughs> you need to believe that. So, so how do we discern between what is primary and what is secondary? What's, what's a top tier doctrine and what's, what's something about this meat sacrifice to idols thing? And so we have to understand that, that the first order doctrines, these are doctrines and practices that are essential to the faith. That if you take these away, you got a different religion. So, so what is non-negotiable? What's primarily non-negotiable is the authority of the scriptures. Listen, listen, there is a difference between saying you don't believe that the scriptures are from God versus you think they say something different. Does that make sense? So like that's, that's just, when I'm having a conversation about, I'm, I've, I've been in conversations, I'm a pastor, we have conversations. And then when it comes, well, I don't actually believe it, the Bible is the word. I'm like, well, what are we talking about then? Well, like, well let's just back way up because we in the weeds of this and we're not even agreeing about the most fundamental matter. We can see Jesus himself took the scripture seriously. How often when people are having conversations with Jesus, he always responds with, well, it is written. It is written. He took the authority of the scriptures seriously. What are some other things that are non-negotiable? Listen, listen, what's non-negotiable, what's true of all Christians in the last 2,000 years is that they believe in the Trinity. Right? That there's one God who exists in three persons that they believe in the deity of Christ. So if somebody's like, I don't really believe Jesus is God, I'm like, well, we're not in the same religion, yo. Like, just, we, we're, not, we're not believing the same thing. They believe in these, the, 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 the gospel that Christ died in our place. There's some primary things that if we don't get right, we are not on the same page. So what this scripture is not talking about is that it's a, it's a free-for-all, <laughs> that you can believe whatever you want to believe and that you can do whatever you want to do. That's, that's not what it's saying. 
right? There's some clear ethics, right? There's some things where like, I don't know if I should do this, but like, there's this command that says, you know, do not commit adultery. So if you come to me and like, well, God told me, no, he didn't. No, no, he didn't. <laughs> That's not true. That's not what, see, see what I'm saying? There's primary doctrines, there's primary matters of ethics, but then there's some disputed matters. Like it says in verse one, there's stuff that we can kind of, kind of like, ah, we can wrestle about. You know, one, one that has come up in our church is we have people in our church who come from traditions that say, well, we have to baptize believers, and we have people who come from traditions that we, ha- we baptize uh, children when, when they're born. Now, listen, our church has a stance. Our church's stance is that we baptize believers, yet when somebody thinks something different, I'm not going, well, they're not really a Christian. No, this has been a disputed matter for a long time. So in disputed matters, you can have your opinion, right? You should. You should study and you should pray. But if someone comes to a difference than you, that does not mean that they're not following the Lord. That does not mean that they don't, well, they just don't even study. No, that's not what it means. There are other disputed matters in Christian circles. Like, I, 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 I'm, I noticed something. My wife has told me about uh, uh, Christian mommy blogs. Y'all like, what is that? Apparently, there's a lot of opinions about how you should raise your kids, and all of the opinions are scripture truth. Okay, there's a lot of that, you know, like if you don't raise, if you don't do this with your kid and you don't love Jesus, listen, listen, that, that all that's not spelled out in the scriptures. Right? What are disputed matters? The Christian's view of politics. Well, what do you, what policy do you like versus what policy do I like? Listen, listen, the details of that can be disputed, but what matters is what is primary. So I need to be clear. I'm not saying the disputed issues don't matter. I'm saying that you can come to different conclusions, and it doesn't mean that you're not a brother and sister in Christ. You see what I'm saying? Now listen, we need God's wisdom to discern between primary and disputed matters. This is very necessary, especially, especially for churches that have various cultures in them. You know, when me and my wife, we were training for missions, we learned uh, this, this, this framework some things are right, some things are wrong, some things are different. And a lot of times we don't have that third category. We, it's just right or wrong. But no, 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 no. When we are, are and we all come from different family backgrounds, we come from different cultures, we got uh, different ethnicities in here. Listen, there's some stuff that y'all do that I don't do and vice versa. And that doesn't mean it's right or wrong. Sometimes it's just different. And we have to ask for wisdom to be able to discern between that. We have to pray, like, Lord, help me to, to, to hold up what's right and to be gracious with the other things. This means that we study the scriptures, listen to this, with the church. Listen, I can get along with the Bible, and I can make it say some weird stuff. I, I didn't hear people say some weird stuff. I, you know, I can watch, you know, you know, supposed experts on, you know, social media, and they say this, that, and another. Listen, no, we have to study with the church. There's danger in isolation, but we have a study so that we can wrestle with what is primary, what is secondary. Like, we need to put these things towards one another. And then we have to talk to the elders and the church leaders about how we discern. Listen, it is God's gift to you, elders and pastors and churches. There's God's gift to you to help you discern and help you wrestle through the text of Scripture. There's safety within the confines of the church so that we can know what is primary and what is disputed. And when we get to verse 4, we, we get this, 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 this idea that we are personally accountable to God. Verse 4 says, Who are you to judge another's household servant? Before his own Lord, he stands or falls. And he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. So get it here. It matters what we believe, and it matters 
what we do because we will have to answer to God. Yeah? So, so listen, some could read portions of scripture like this and say, well, you know, it, it doesn't matter what I think. And it doesn't, doesn't matter what I do. Listen, there's a huge difference between saying God is the judge versus judgment doesn't matter. That's, that's different. So a lot of times people say only God can judge me, but that translates as I don't really want anybody to say anything, and I'm really not too concerned about what God thinks. <laughs> I just want to get out of this conversation. That's, that's not what this is talking about. Servants get evaluated by their boss, yeah? And every single one of us will be evaluated over what we think and what we do. Therefore, we have to entrust those who differ with us on disputed matters to the Lord. I don't mean we don't say nothing. We can make our case from the scriptures. We can have conversations. We can do all that stuff. But if, there, if you come to a disagreement about a disputed matter, you can say, well, I'm not your Lord. <laughs> now, you will have to answer to him, but I ain't him. The Lord is ultimately responsible for our brothers and sisters. And in the text, it says that the Lord is able to make him stand. See, our Lord seeks the good of Christian brothers and sisters. And that means we must commit to pray for those with whom we disagree. When we get to verse 5, we can see that our motives and what we do must be to please God. This is the interesting thing about biblical ethics. A lot of times we think about ethics, we think purely on, did you do the right or the wrong thing? But Jesus so often points to the motive of why you did this or that thing. And in verse 5, it says, one person judges one day to be more important than another. Someone else judges every day to be the same. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Verse 6, whoever observes the day, observes it for the honor of the Lord. Whoever eats, eats for the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. Whoever does not eat, it is for the Lord that he does not eat it, and he will give thanks to God. Now listen, context is, right, context is what he's talking about some days. What are you talking about? Listen, there were Christians in the Roman church that had Jewish backgrounds. So they celebrated Sabbath. That was a Saturday. They had these new moon festivals uh, every month. There's various festivals from their culture and from their previous religious outlook. They're like, we have to observe this day. And then there were other Christians who didn't grow up Jewish. And they're like, well, I don't think I feel like, I don't think I have to observe the Sabbath. And I'm, it's nice that you celebrate every time there's a full moon, but I don't feel like that's what I got to do to be accepted with God. They're having this, this argument, okay? And what he, what Paul is saying is that it, whatever you do, it has to be for the Lord. So listen, he's not saying it doesn't matter. You catch that? He's not saying it doesn't matter what you do. He's saying you do what you do in regard to how you can worship the Lord. So the question is, like, like do we do what we do? Do we believe what we believe for the sake of worshiping and giving thanks to God? There's these, these two seemingly contradictory things uh, in the Gospels. In Matthew 6, 5, Jesus says, Whenever you pray, you must not like, be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. They're like, don't pray in public. Then in John 11, Jesus is about to raise Lazarus from the dead, and said, Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me because of the crowd standing here. I said this. Now, now listen. He just said, don't pray in front of people. And then later, he said, I'm praying in front of people so that they know you sent me. What is going on? The motive matters. If I pray in front of people because people can think I'm, oh, man, he's so spiritual. Look how, look how he said all these wonderful words. That's wrong. If I pray in front of people for their edification, 
for their encouragement. That's right. See, the same action can be right or wrong depending on the motive. Is it to honor God? Is it to serve people around me? So the question is posed, why do you believe what you believe? Why do you do what you do? Is it because it's convenient? Is it because whatever, that's what everybody always used to do? Or is it because you sat down and thought, is this how I can honor the Lord? In verse 7, we see that Christ died to gather people that love and submit to God. Look at verse 7. For none of us lives for himself, and no one dies for himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and returned to life for this, that he might be Lord over both the living and the the dead. See, the reality is often we live for ourselves in defiance of God and without regard for others. Here's the interesting thing about, about, about thoughts. Someone can rationalize almost anything. I mean, like, like yeah, you know, I'm a dork, so I read history and stuff. Like, like n- the Nazis were rationalizing what they were doing. They had a whole thought system. They're like, see, we thought about it. So, so, so it's, it's not about did you think about it. It's what is the motive? If, if I'm trying to think about an issue or a course of action, and I've already decided that I want to do what I want to do, well, probably the end thought of that process is I'm going to do what I want to do. But the reality is I have to, to submit to the Lord and Lord, what do you want? How can I submit to you? Everyone thinks they have good reasons for what they do. But the motive matters. See, the reality is in following our own reason, there are times we can neglect God's commands because the motive matters. In my heart is it, do I want to obey the Lord? See, Christ came to unite us to the Lord, even though our thoughts and our actions oftentimes are in defiance of God and without regard for others. See, Christ lived so much differently than we did. He lived in complete compliance, complete submission to God in every thought, word, and action. And this perfect man died in our place because we have deceived ourselves at times say well I'm doing this for, for for a good reason but in the back of my mind I'm like well I just want to do this anyway no no Christ died for when we do that and he rose again and our faith and trust in him unites us to God and so the scriptures say that that if you trust in Christ you're no longer your own that you belong to him that's what the whole idea of lord means the first confession that Christians made was Jesus is lord That's the first confession. And that means that he decides what I do. He decides what I can think. Listen, Christ's lordship must be reflected in what we do and in what we think. Even in these disputed matters, the the goal is I need to submit to him. This means that his lordship has to trickle down to all of our thoughts and all of our actions. You know, too often I get this question. This is when, when you're in ministry, we get this question. They, they, they pick something like, is it okay if I do da 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 Now, oftentimes, they will just want to do that, and they want to get, get me to like, yeah, you can do that. But the, the reality is that's the wrong question. The question is, how do I submit to Lord in this or that issue? The scriptures and and Paul want us to remember that we have to give an account. Look at verse 10. But you, why do you judge your brother or sister? 
or you? Why do you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue will give praise to God. This is the key verse, verse 12. So then, each of us must give an account of himself to God. He's pointing to sometimes our over-concern with what others do can mask the deficiency of our own relationship with the Lord. If I'm so concerned what everybody else does and what everybody else believes and I'm not too concerned about me, that, that, that indicates a problem. You know, one time Jesus said, he says, why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that splinter out of your eye. And look, there's a beam of wood in your eye. Hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Jesus is saying, listen, you have to know that you will have to give an account. It's not unimportant what other people do, but for you, for you, what's primary is how you have served the Lord. Because the reality is, According to that last verse I read, we will have to give an account of everything we have done to the Lord. You know, I imagine this moment sometimes. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but, but what I imagine, I imagine that the Lord is sitting on the judgment seat, and I'm, I'm standing there, and there's a screen, and scenes of my life are just playing. And the reality is there are huge moments of shame. There are some things that's going to play that I'm like, oh, man, why did I do that? I, that? That was not for the Lord. That was not for his honor. That was not for his glory. And I go, I, I want to live the remainder of my life as such that I won't have to have regret on that day. And this text has given us the ingredients that we would keep that before our mind, that we're going to have to stand before the Lord and listen. It's going to be you, not you and your people, not you you and your family, not you. It's going to be you. And you will have to give an account of the way that you lived. Now, the reality is I think about that, and if I'm honest, I think if we're all honest, that makes us a little uncomfortable as some of those scenes play. And I'm like, man, I, I knew when I was doing it that it was wrong, and I still did it. Some of those scenes play, and I can just imagine the shame. I feel a little bit of shame now. I can't imagine what it's going to be on that day. So the question is, what will we say on that day? When the scenes of our life play in front of God's judgment, see, what will we say? The only thing I know is that my plea will be the same as it was on the day of my salvation. Forgive me for Jesus' sake. I am wrong, but he was right. I have not obeyed you, but he did. Forgive me for his sake. I remember that this, 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 this line from the old worship song. It says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And when I stand before the day and the scenes of my life play, and I'm sure there's going to be some scenes where I'm going to feel happy, but there's going to be some where I feel so much shame. I have to say my hope is not built on what I have done, but my hope is built on what he has done. See, listen, on that day of judgment, I will scan heaven to find the lamb. 
Revelation 5 6 says, says, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne. And so when I'm standing before the Lord, I will point to Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, and say, I can enter because of him. I can have mercy because of him. The record of my sin follows me, but there is a man in heaven who still has scars in his hands and in his feet. And because of him, I can stand. Beloved, that is our hope. That is our peace. So listen, we take our life seriously. We take what we believe in and what we do seriously. And we also know that on that day, we have someone to appeal to. So the question as I think about this text is, how do we do a better job of examining why we do what we do? Yeah? Because ultimately, that's what the text is talking about. See, our actions reveal our motives. So this means, y'all, that we got to slow down and that we got to pay attention to our hearts. We have to slow down and we have to pay attention to why we do what we do. There should be times of prayer where you ask for all your list of stuff, and that's good. But there also has to be times when you say, Lord, examine me. Lord, examine my heart. Lord, I'm going to re- review this day with you. And there were some points in that day where I was tripping. <laughs> Why was I doing that? What was I hoping in? What was my motive? There has to be times of self-examination in the Lord's presence that we will pay attention to the highs and the lows of our own emotions because God might be speaking to you through that. And we also have to give others permission to speak into our lives, yeah? Because the reality is, I don't know about you, but I can be deceived by my own self, yeah? Yeah? So that means we have to have deep relationships in which you give people permission to say, why don't you be honest about me to me? (laughs) Tell me about me. (laughs) Can you discern something twisted in my own motives? There's a question. I, I remember I was, uh, at this con- I was at this conference, a little conference, and it was actually about the guy who was speaking was a pastor who actually fell from ministry. He, co- he, he committed some sins that were public, and he was, he was explaining that process. And he realized there was a question that part of, part of his restoration, he had to ask this question to everybody. He had to ask this question, and it was, how do you experience me? And he had to sit, and he, and he wasn't allowed to say nothing. He asked, and it's a big church. So all his staff, all his people, he said, how do you experience me? And they were like, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, they experienced him not well. And I thought, man, I got to ask that question way before I get somewhere like that. Man, it would be a good practice to ask those close to you, how do you experience me? How do I come off to you? So that, that I could have self-examination and that I could examine my own, own motives in the context of the church. And so that I would not have to be ashamed on that day. And beloved, we don't have to fear the answers because there's grace for forgiveness. And we don't have to fear the answers because there's grace for change. Yeah. So, so, so let's be a church that, 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 that's, that takes our personal relationship with the Lord seriously, that examines our own motives because we understand that there will be a day that we have to give an account. And at the same time, let's rejoice because on that day, there is one to appeal to. He is our hope. He is the one that forgives us and sustains us. So let's praise him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the beauty of your word. 
And Lord, I pray that what you have begun in people's hearts through the preaching of the word, that you would sustain and continue. Lord, if there have been sins and motives that have been highlighted, Lord, let us not leave this place and forget about it. But Lord, let us come to you so that you can deal with it. Lord, we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.